Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I have a dynamic duo on the show today. I have twice the fun today because I have two entrepreneurs that have come together and co-founded a great company. Wait till you hear about it. I mean, they've got a real interesting platform. It's all about something called automated asset intelligence. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But before we do, We've invited Mr. Mark Lennox, the co-founder and CTO of Kahi Incorporated, along with his co-founder, the CEO, Kevin Dooley. And what they're doing really is changing the dynamic in the restoration space, especially when we think about knowing where your assets are. I mean, we're going to get into all of it, but it's very fascinating. Even the people not in the restoration business will learn so much from Mark and Kevin today because... The way in which they've reimagined this entire space is very interesting. And Kahi is really doing a great job with an incredible platform. So let's welcome Kevin, the co-founder and CEO on the show first. Kevin, welcome to the dot-com magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. I'm going to bounce back to you in just a second so you can pull the lens back to 30,000 feet for us and tell us about Kahi. But before I do, of course, we've got Mark Lennox, your co-founder and CTO on the show, Kevin. Uh, he's a great co-founder. He's a great partner of yours, Mark. Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Thanks very much. Great to be here. All right, let's go, guys. This is so much fun. We saw what you did at Kahi. It really makes sense. Uh, you're changing the entire dynamic, the conversation about automated asset intelligence in the restoration space. But let's go. Kevin, let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet. Tell us what you're doing at Kahi, and then we're going to get into it. Yeah, so Kahi was birthed out of a need uh, within my legacy company that was uh, that serves contractors inside the restoration industry. So we deploy assets in our other company, um, dehumidifiers, air removers, all kinds of climate control equipment all across North America when a disaster hits. And um, so out of that need, understanding where our assets are, how they're behaving, um, having a, a an instant view on on all all things related to assets was um, was a struggle years ago, um, pen and paper. And to be honest, it's still a predominant use case for most service providers. Um, so we want to do something better. And so um, Mark's been a friend of mine for a better part of close to 10 years now, almost. Yep. Yep. And uh, we were jamming on some ideas and um, we started iterating on some ideas and how we could start to solve this problem, make things more efficient, all with the eye of eventually productizing, um, you know, a solution to solve this problem. So that, that birthed Kahi uh, just about three years ago, roughly. 
and uh, we incubated it within the company and we were testing and Mark can speak to that, I'm sure. And um, fast forward to where we are now and we're actively selling into the space. We're getting some fantastic feedback and uh, we're tracking, you know, tens of thousands of pieces of equipment and uh, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, when you think about it, and I, I know a, a good friend of mine, you know, owns one of the largest restoration companies in the world. And, and I think about all the equipment and all of the assets that he has to place, he and his team have to place throughout the United States and, and even now into Latin America and up into Canada. It's really remarkable when we think about it. How do you keep track of it? I mean, so you guys decided, you know, Kevin, with your background, there has to be a better way. You saw a giant problem. I mean, I, I would imagine people losing assets and losing equipment and not knowing where they're at becomes a giant problem. And in today's world, you know, we're talking about margins. And when you lose a piece of equipment, you lose your margins and your system really solves all that. So let's talk about it, Mark. I mean, you know, you've been uh, with Kevin for a while now. You've got the MVP out. People are loving it. What's the thing that really is the game changer with regard to what you're doing at, uh, at the company uh, right now? Yeah, so what we try and do is, uh, is as Kevin mentioned, track, track assets as they move around from a warehouse to job site and, and throughout the, the different disaster areas and, and local jobs that restoration contractors deal with. I guess the game changer was a technology commoditization that happened in the last five years, let's say. Um, I'm a serial you know, technology entrepreneur. Uh, Kahi was kind of like the stereotypical startup story, right? I, I had worked out with uh, Kevin previously on another project, uh, which uh, we ended up abandoning. And then I went on and did some other startups. Um, and then while I was at uh, my last startup, I st- uh, you know, Kevin and I were talking, as you mentioned, about what we could possibly do. Uh, I started tinkering with the technology that was available at the time. This was about three and a half years ago. And, you know, after a few months of just kind of playing around with this stuff, we realized, okay, this is actually doable now that the, you know, the, the tracking beacons, the, the Bluetooth beacons are cheap enough that they can be put on thousands of pieces of equipment that are relatively inexpensive. Um, you know, the unit economics worked, the technology worked. And so we started building from there and then testing within Kevin's uh, existing uh, restoration company as kind of the, the launch customer. And then I guess after about a year of sort of um, putting together the MVP uh, with a small team of, um, you know, um, uh, Contract contractors members. within my network, um, we realized we, we can build a company around this. And we started building uh, the company and the team around that to the point where now Kahi is an independent uh, 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 startup organization that we've got customers, we've got product and markets, and, and we're, we're growing fast. I love it. It's really, really a great success story, and it's going to keep on moving because everybody needs this. You know, when I think about it, Kevin, one thing I was thinking about, you know, equipment is yeah. it's incredible now because with your Kahi platform, people can really have accurate access to updated information on the whereabouts of their equipment. And I think what happens is that really drives meaningful data and reporting, and they don't even need to have a lot of technical input. Isn't that the idea? That's exactly the idea. So traditionally how it works is a a technician needs to either write it down on a piece of paper or they're opening up an application and and scanning a barcode or a QR code. Maybe if that particular company has you know, some level of uh, 
systems involved outside of you know pen and paper and with either scenario it involves a, a human interaction, i.e. the technician to do something and to do it without fail every time. And when you're talking about, you know, thousands, if not tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in assets being deployed to various locations, things, you know, for whatever reason, um, there's plenty of them, uh, just doesn't happen. So, yeah. so with our solution, it just happens behind the scenes. The technicians can focus on their work at hand and the assets just get tracked. It's so incredible. I mean, you thought about everything. Now, Mark, you have to be pretty busy right now because when I think about your system, one thing that comes to mind that is very important is, is that your clients get very reliable, timely notifications. And that really helps them maintain you know, exceptional customer service, but also it helps maximize, of course, the equipment utilization. So let's talk about that because I would imagine this reliability factor of your program and your your system, your software really also helps eliminate sort of, you know, unnecessary wear and tear on the on the actual equipment, which saves the client money as well, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely, that's that's one of our biggest challenges is, uh, is sort of building a scalable platform that can provide that sort of up-to-date um, semi-real-time data to the end user, um, you know, it's there's a lot of moving parts to what we do from a technology standpoint. It, it it certainly is a not a very, I guess a very simple platform application like like a, a standard website. There's so many different moving parts. We've got our gateways that are out in the field, beacons. You know the hardware aspect uh, really adds a lot of complexity. And and to be able to collect that data and report on it in real time is exactly where the value proposition comes from. Uh, so you definitely nailed it there. Yeah, I love it. And of course, you know, Kevin, when we think about it. Again, we're talking about these assets and that's what they are for these companies. I, I would imagine that if I had a lot of these assets moving around the country, you know, left and right and up and down, north and south. I mean, we're going to a hurricane you know, in South Florida. Now we're going, you know, somewhere else on the West Coast because there's some fires or what have you. Yep. I would imagine I want to really be able to see all my assets in transit and be able to see, you know, where they are on the job site. So I would imagine, Kevin, that's a real important, you know, factor in your technology as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's a, at you know at the most lowest of level, um, we know exactly what's in the warehouse at any given moment, what's on a vehicle at any given moment, and then ultimately when the asset exits the vehicle into a job site, where we have a process that'll um, facilitate that and then report to the operations team on, on what assets have been installed in the building and then how long. And, and that drives downstream processes that we can report upon or we can send to other job management systems through our, our API. Yeah, it's awesome. I want to talk about your team in a minute. But before I do, Mark, you know, I'm listening to this technology platform. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's robust and it's somewhat complicated. But what I see you've been able to do with your team is incredible because, you know, you have an iOS and an Android, Android mobile app, and you've taken sort of this complex system, but made it very simple to deploy. So I think that's really, you know, remarkable. Let's talk about where that came from. Where did this mindset come from where you want to take all of this great powerhouse technology, but make it very simple to deploy for your clients. Yeah, I mean, that was a thesis right from the start of this thing. And, and that comes from, I guess, years of you know building software products and realizing that a, a big part of adoption and utilization is making it very seamless for the end user. 
uh, in this industry, particularly, as I mentioned, you've got technicians that are at the pointy end of the business. They're doing the the field work. They don't want to be fiddling with, uh, you know, mobile apps to do uh, all the things that need to be done for asset tracking. So we make that part of it completely seamless. The, you know, the, probably the biggest challenge or step that has to happen when a customer buys our product is they have to physically attach a beacon to every, pe- every piece of equipment and then use our mobile app, as you mentioned, to then uh, configure to say this at this beacon is on this asset and in order to make that completely seamless and and you know as easy as possible we've now got it to the point where the app just takes a picture of the id plate of the equipment and then we have a database that understands you know manufacturers and model numbers and decodes that in, into you know what is this piece of equipment what what are its characteristics um so literally it's like scan a qr code in our beacon scan an ID plate uh, with the serial number model number on the on the equipment manufacturer plate and then we kind of do the rest so so we make the the initial setup very easy and, and again yeah. that comes from just years of you know having done software and realizing that you have to, you have to make this stuff completely seamless for end users otherwise they just won't do it yeah it's such a great idea for the entrepreneurs watching the show rewind what mark just said about making it seamless make it simple make it easy to understand and easy to deploy and of course Kevin, when we think about your clients, I mean, you know, they make money by producing claims. I mean, that's an important part of their business. And I would imagine your system allows uh, your clients really to have an understanding of what they need to do to make a claim. So you're really helping your clients make money with the system. Isn't that right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. So um, within the confines of the restoration industry, um, but it can really be applied to any field service type business that has, um, you know, mobile assets. Um, but in the restoration space, uh, a significant portion of the costs related to the claim and the recovery process is the equipment that's deployed to dry out the building, to filter the air, to decontaminate, whatever the case may be. And um so there's, there's, there's many aspects to that. There's also many different stakeholders involved in the process from insurance companies to maybe a Fortune 500 risk manager, um, obviously on the asset owner side to the restoration company in this instance, they need to document well, they need to document accurately, they need to demonstrate and provide the transparency to uh, the insured or ultimately whoever's paying the bill that indeed these assets were there, this is how these assets behaved. And then from there, um, help settle the claim so that the service provider gets paid and the insured gets indemnified. Wow. So awesome. I mean, it's such a great process and you've simplified it, you know, all the way down to the T's. Now, Mark, we think about API integrations. I would imagine your system also has to integrate seamlessly with a number of other software systems really to provide an improved workflow automation system for your clients, right? Absolutely. Yeah, when we, when we started this thing, we, uh, you know, from the get-go, we were very much API-driven, API-first. Uh, we recognized that, you know, we wanted to do asset tracking and do it very well, but there was a lot of other pieces <clears throat> to the puzzle of, you know, running a restoration business. We, we can't and didn't want to do everything. Um, we wanted to focus on tracking and then make it open to other systems. So we integrate with, uh, with job management systems like Encircle. Um, and essentially they provide us with job site locations and then we turn around and provide them with assets that are at that job site location. So the, it's kind of a win-win because they get better data in terms of being able to do the, the management of the project. And then we get better data in terms of understanding where the physical job sites are so that when our assets end up moving to those locations, we know in advance that 
those are in fact job sites. Um, and, and we have a lot of other ideas for, uh, and we've had discussions with other uh, third-party software providers on on integrating. But uh, definitely, integrations and API is 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 very key to what we do. Very interesting. I want to talk about the team, and of course, the API you put together is powerful. I want to talk about the team in just a minute. But when I think about it, Kevin. And I think about some of this equipment. I mean, we're not talking about cheap equipment. Some of this equipment can be very, very expensive. And, and if I'm a client or someone that has this expensive equipment deployed, you know, I'm worried about theft. I'm worried about, you know, losses. Let's talk about how your system can also help prevent, you know, equipment theft. Because my thought is equipment theft has to be a huge part of this industry that now you've also solved that problem. Yeah, and truthfully, um, theft uh, isn't really a huge thing. Coincidentally, it's a, we've experienced this as a recent. Um, but loss prevention definitely is a thing in the data. And from what we see with um, the several contractors we've deployed our solution to, theft is, is actually almost non-existent. Where we are uncovering uh, issues, if you want to call them that, is more around technician negligence mainly meaning they go to a site it's generally speaking uh, perhaps a different crew that uh, is picking up the equipment versus the crew that initially installed the equipment um and often more believe it or not often enough uh, a piece of equipment is left tucked away in a, in a room or in a closet or under the stairs or whatever the case may be and it's forgotten um that seems to be a use case that happens quite a bit. And in those scenarios, we definitely report on it. Um, we provide notifications for operations um, when these situations happen to uh, re-engage with the client to go and retrieve it um, and all that good stuff. So from that perspective, it's great. We do have some, uh, in the near-term future, um, some additional hardware that we're coming out with for more um, how should we say GPS SIM enabled trackers that are attached to more large iron type assets and trailers and trucks. Um, so that will provide more real-time analytics if something were to grow legs or drive away, so to speak, uh, from, from an owner's property. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. I mean, you leave a piece of equipment behind, you don't know about it. You're losing a lot of money. It sounds like Mark's going to be pretty busy with the team. I mean, Mark, you're not going to be getting any sleep. I mean, this is, you might as well just put, put a sleeping bag in the office from what it sounds like. No, <laughs> unfortunately, that's about it just <laughs> I have a family at home and uh, kids to, uh, to entertain, but yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely, you know, uh, we're, we're all busy over here. We've got a, we've got a, you know, a, a, decent sized team now of, uh, you know, I guess me, Kevin and, and five others, um, growing fast, you know, we've got a, a, a four person developer team, myself included. Um, but over the next year, we'll definitely be growing, uh, significantly as we're starting to roll yeah. out more into market. Um, also looking to potentially raise money this year. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's any other particular questions you want to ask about the team. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about the team because you put together a great team. You're getting so much out of, you know, this, what I'm going to call nimble team. When you look for someone to join your team, you know, maybe we can share something for the other entrepreneurs watching the show. What are you looking for? Is it their background experience, maybe commitment, you know, maybe you get along with them. There's a good vibe. I mean, what are the main things you're looking for for someone to join the team? Yeah, we've been for, for in terms of hiring, we've been mostly um, sort of opportunistic about it. It's, it's uh, a lot of the early hires and people that helped me sort of build the MVP uh, on contract were just people 
within my own network that I had worked with before at, at other startups. Some of them, you know, already had full-time jobs and were just kind of doing this part-time on the side. Some people decided to, to join this full-time. Um, I guess the advice I would give early on is uh, until you get to about 10, 15 people, you know, try as much as much as possible trying to hire within your own network, uh, simply because then you've de-risked the hire. Um, you know, you kind of know what to expect. You don't have to worry about spending time getting someone up to speed and then realizing that they're just not a good fit. Obviously that doesn't scale beyond a certain point. And yet at some point you need to start uh, expanding beyond your network. Uh, not to mention that I think, you know, moving outside of your network, uh, it's a bit of, um, I guess, diversity of thought that you, that you don't get just sticking within your own network necessarily. Um, but definitely, you know, you, you look for people that are, you know, what I have that entrepreneurial mindset, whatever that that is, but it's more about like, People that in early on people, you need people that kind of need to need to work on different things, aren't pigeonholed into specific technologies or or workflows. They they like to learn, they like to to work on different aspects of a technology stack. Um and are open to change. So like change, yeah. Like could you know, being a, a young and kind of scrappy, if you call it startup, you know, the job description, if you will is changing, you know, every handful of months as the needs change and as, yeah. you know, the company's scaling and growing. So, you know, as a, as a younger company, the, the first few people, people that are building the foundation of the company, they need to be, be t- type of people that are like kind of the, the, you know, the always different flavor, wear many hats type individuals. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Of course, you mentioned the MVP. I want to talk about that momentarily. Then I want to get into entrepreneurship. I mean, let's talk about it. How long did it take, you know, to put the MVP together, the minimal viable product, and then how long after you put it into play did you sort of realize we've got something here? Yeah, I mean, I would say that like the, I would call it like the early sort of alpha prototype took, let's say three to four months for myself only to build to just to get a sense for whether the, you know, the hardware technology even worked. Uh, then, you know, with a small little team of part-time, part-time developers, uh, and, and then myself full-time, I would say the real MVP took about a year after that to build and get to the point where we were comfortable, you know, starting to use it with, you know, uh, Kevin's other business as a launch customer. And then another six months after that, before we were comfortable actually selling it to sort of friendly restoration businesses within Kevin's network. Um, so, I, you know, I would say two years from start of tinkering to actually in market selling to early friendly customers, uh, which is, you know, some people might think that that's a long period of time to develop an MVP. But, you know, we, we had to make sure that this, is, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of moving parts to this. And we had to make sure that the data we were reporting on was accurate. I mean, at, at the end of the day, if, if we're not reporting accurately on what assets were at the job site, then, you know, there's really no point to this. Wow. Such a great journey, such a great approach. Let's get into entrepreneurship. You know, when we think about it, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are startup entrepreneurs going through the same process. And oftentimes entrepreneurs hit a roadblock. Sometimes they hit a pothole in the road. So Kevin, I'll go to you first. Maybe you can speak to some of the other younger entrepreneurs watching the show. What's it take to keep on pushing? What's it take to get through that roadblock and come out the other side, you know, feeling stronger for your business that you came through that problem? Oh, man, <laughs> that's a loaded question. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, make it, well, make, let's make it short and sweet because 
you know, we're going to bring you both back on the show. I love the journey. I love what you guys are doing. We're going to bring it back on. Maybe we'll talk the full 30 minutes about the entrepreneurial journey that you've had so far. I think I'd like to book that in. Maybe once we're off this interview, but let's keep it short and sweet for this one. Then we'll expound on the next uh, interview that we have with you guys. Yeah, for sure. No, like, you know, cash is obviously super important, but if you put cash to the side and, um, you know, from an entrepreneur's perspective, I think it's, um, it needs to be something obviously that you're passionate about. Um, because without without that passion and that you know having that 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 why so to speak and 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 what kind of fuels you um, then then the struggles that will come because it's not if they're going to come there's definitely going to be plenty of them um, as as probably almost every entrepreneur can attest to um, that's you know been active in running a company um, it's it's your why and your and your desire for for seeing that thing uh, built and 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 seeing the vision kind of come to life, so to speak, right? And I think that's what gives you the fuel. Um, and then, you know, as you start to solve the problems for the people that you're serving, then then the rewards come from there. I love it. I love it. Solve the problems. Put your clients first. I mean, that's what you've done. You've thought everything through what your client might need based on your experience, and then you implemented it. So you continually say to yourself. What can we add? What can we put in to make it a better experience for our clients to help them in their business? So you're putting your clients first. I love that. Now, Mark, what about you? I mean, you know, here you are. I mean, you know, maybe you'll see your, your family in another four or five years, possibly. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you know, what do you do with your team to keep on pushing and, you know, how to, how to get through a tough time in, in, in the software development uh, part of your business? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Kevin and I probably have a little bit or wired a little bit differently. Kevin's kind of the the pure hardcore entrepreneur and, and, you know, just built, built to be such. I'm more of a, I I love working on products with small teams and building from scratch. I'm I'm a real builder at at heart. Um, For me, I I always kind of look for signals from the marketplace that there's a reason to keep going. I mean, if you know at a certain point and kevin mentioned cash is king i mean you have to have some sort of funding source to be able to do this whether that's your own ability to fund yourself or external funding or whatever the case may be and in this case we have a, a somewhat of a unique funding situation with the restoration business but then you have to kind of look and, and see okay we're building a great product but are we getting any type of signal from the market that this is worth building and to keep building and and you know whenever i, I ask myself that question and i probably ask myself that question at least weekly, maybe daily, um, you know, the answer continues to be yes, because we get positive feedback. We get new customers signing up. We get customers staying on the platform, not, not leaving even after, you know, over a year now. So, you know, there has to be, there has to be something there to make you see that it's worth continuing to push and push and push and, and expand the product and, and, yeah. and keep going. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you get this instant feedback loop from your clients. You put the clients at the forefront of everything you do. It's a great story. We'll bring you back on the show. I know you both only cut out a certain amount of time uh, to speak about what you're doing. I love it so much. Automated asset intelligence for the restoration space is just an incredible idea. And so many people are getting such great outcomes from your business, Mark and Kevin. I wanted to congratulate you and thank you so much for coming on the dot-com magazine entrepreneur spotlight series today. This has been a great talk today. Awesome. Thanks Thank very you. much, Andy.